0: Hi, this is Alicia Kelso. I am the executive editor at Nation's Restaurant News, and I'm coming to you live from Palm Springs, California, for our Create the Experience event. I'm having a conversation this morning with Zondrique Harold, who's the director of operations at Milk and Honey, uh, which is coincidentally one of our hot concepts that we just recognized in the magazine. So thank you so much for joining me, Zondrique. I'm really excited to have this conversation.
1: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: Um, I had the privilege of talking to Warren uh, Thompson about the Milk and Honey concept. So that is my working knowledge about the concept. I don't have one in Louisville, Kentucky. So I'm, I'm hoping you'll help flesh this, this out a little bit more and, and get me more familiar with it. Um, tell me how long you've been with the brand and what your position as director of operations uh, entails from like a day-to-day basis.
1: I've been with Milk and Honey for three years now, three years this month um and previously I was with a company for about 14 years. Um so my goal my position with a brand is all things operations that stems from construction to new brand openings, recipe development, recipe adherence, safety and sanitation, hiring, anything that goes into restaurants, I am a part of that whole process.
0: Okay, it sounds daunting. <laughs>
1: But, it, but it's fun because it's one of those things, if you stay busy, you have your hands in things, you're always um, inspired to create new things. When you're kind of stagnant in one area, you, you just get stuck. Sure. Um, so it definitely keeps me on my toes because you never, I never hit the same issue at any given time. Sure.
0: So um, with all of those balls in the air, then, uh-huh. what, what would you identify as your favorite part of the job?
1: The people part of it okay. and that's definitely the hiring the development the aha moments that go on when they're in conversation and you teach them something and you come back around and teach them that same thing and it's like okay I have it now because you it's the people are, are almost like a classroom everybody is learning a different way so figuring out which way really helps them ignite yeah
0: sure um you know as mentioned, we, we did identify uh, milk and honey as one of our hot concepts. And Warren talked me through what makes the brand special. Um, with your unique perspective and your, your position, again, with all the balls in the air, uh-huh. what would you identify as your favorite thing about the brand that's kept you there for three years?
1: The excitement from the community about the, the food and the matching
0: the level of hospitality with the level of food. Okay. And that's a good transition because also when I spoke with him, he mentioned that it is the food that gets people in line for 45 minutes on a random Monday mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, and he said when, when, uh, you know, the company came on board and acquired, uh, the milk and honey brand, there was work to do on the service side. And so I'm curious to know from your perspective what that work entailed and, and where you think that progress, you know, sort of is now, um, three years later.
1: The biggest work that we had to do was the first impression. Right when you walk into a concept, whether it's walking in or you're on the phone, that first impression goes a long way to whether or not you decide to come join us or whether you decide to stay in the building. So having that good welcome to Milk and Honey should be something you experience every time you walk into any one of my locations. Um, and then that kind of grabs people. say, okay, what is Milk and Honey? Is it a bakery? Is it a, a cosmetic place? What is Milk and Honey? Um, so really helping draw them in and have that conversation so the people at front really have that engaging, charismatic, magnetic personality, and people placement is a big part of that. Okay,
0: great. And how do you feel about the progress that's been made? Do you feel like you've, you've put those pieces into place and are in a better spot than, than three years ago on the service side?
1: I do. We also have locations that have different personalities. So we have our quick service restaurants. Everything is express. Everything's in carryout boxes. Then we have our full service locations where it's your traditional full service. We have our upscale full service, and then we have a hybrid of the quick service and the full service to where it's you come in, you order the cashier, but everything comes
0: out on China. Okay. Great. And um, that seems complicated. (laughs) So, you know, in addition to all the changes, operationally speaking, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that have sort of manifested in the past three years, there's more channels, there's more, you know, you know. Tell me what you identify as the biggest challenges and pain points that you have to solve for in your position.
1: It's developing people to really understand what they're looking for in a company. Um, People always assume that Gen Z is the microwave generation that want everything here and now. But taking the time to develop them and understand what they're looking for and foster those characteristics rather than giving them the big picture of this is who we are, but all they want is that little segment to really grow and be nurtured. And to move that part forward, so it's the people development. It's the part that we lost in COVID because we didn't have our people. It was just the management that was in the building. But once COVID was over, you have a lot of new people into the in the food industry who have never worked in hospitality. But you have to teach them how to talk to people, how to be nice, how to get off their phone, all those fun things,
0: the soft skills. The soft skills. <laughs> I've heard a lot about people development here, and and you know it kind of gives me a little bit of a tailwind. That we're able to sort of glean some positive things from COVID because it, it was awful, awful time, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and that the people piece, I think, is one of the biggest conversations from our vantage point, from the media vantage point that I can think of. Another one, and I'm curious to know your perspective that I've heard anecdotally, is we've become smarter operators. We've become more efficient. Um, we're, we're looking a little bit more, um, you know, deeper under every rock because mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the cost pressures, uh, because of the labor challenges, because of everything. Um, is that a fair statement from, from where you're sitting? That it's, you have to look at cost because food costs aren't going up. You have
1: to look at labor because the cost of labor is going up. But how can you combine the online platforms with the people platforms? Because not everybody wants to come to a kiosk and order food. Some do, some don't. But how to be relay that human aspect, that people aspect into every interaction
0: we're having with each guest? It's easy not to. It's harder to develop those um, attributes. Okay. And and what would you identify as some of the efficiencies that you've sort of put into place to to reconcile those two things?
1: Um, engagement daily with not only my district managers but with my general managers, my sous chefs. Um, it's open door policy. Call me anytime, any question, any issue that you have because. You never know what you're going to encounter, and you're, there's no playbook for everything you are going to encounter. So definitely making sure that your that line of communication is open. So if I, it's open for me and you, and it's open from them to their team. And then that way they're able to navigate any circumstances that
0: may or may not occur. Right okay and what is your favorite thing on the menu <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> um, the crispy salmon hash okay um so it's a fried salmon with a spinach cream sauce occasion cream sauce um, and crispy hash browns um and if it's a, at my warp location it's going to be our gumbo okay um, i was raised on gumbo <laughs> so gumbo with shrimp crab sausage it's Everything it's lunchtime it's everything <laughs>
0: you're getting me right in the- <laughs> um yeah I, I shout out to your your marketing team because I had to facilitate that story and that food photography was some of the best I've seen mm-hmm. I got to get over there and try this or you know I, you're growing as well um so maybe you can grow into Louisville in the next couple of years so tell me what is next for for the milk and honey brand.
1: Um, there's a lot of collaboration. Thompson Hospitality has about 17 concepts. Um, and within those concepts, like at our Wharf location currently, Maker's Union opened next door. So being that we're part of um, such a large umbrella of Thompson Hospitality, it's collaborating, learning from each other, but we are also expanding. Um, I have two locations opening this month um, and looking for about four more next year. Great. Um, so we'll continue to expand south and north. Um, so look for us anywhere um, and at any time. And you, we may pop up in, in one of our sister restaurants at any time also. Okay.
0: Great. Well, thank you. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with the brand? I mean, this is great. Um, it's great. I mean, anytime you come to
1: Milk and Honey, it's like walking to Grandma's Kitchen. All the recipes that you remember, the grits, um, the French toast, the gumbo, all those things you walk into. But it happens in a
0: faster format in a more contemporary R&B atmosphere. Great. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to following the growth. Thank you. Um, congrats on the hot concept uh uh
2: identification and, and I'm thrilled to see what's next. So Thank I appreciate you, so much. you joining me today. Absolutely. Yep. Hi, I'm Joanna Fantozzi, senior editor with Nation's Restaurant News. Uh we are here with Medi Zagru, CEO and founder of Crazy Pita. Thank you so much for
3: being here. Thank you for having me.
2: Um and you were we were just having this I, I thought this was a great comment that you just made so I want you to repeat it uh on on the podcast. Um, could you tell me a bit about the various hats that you hold at your company?
3: Yeah. Well, um, I am uh, the CEO and founder of the company. Uh, Crazy PETA has existed for about 17 years, a month ago. Um, and um, we started it uh, in Las Vegas. We currently have three units. Um, and we just started recently franchising um, In uh, Houston, we're about to open our first franchise in Sugarland, Texas. Um, I do, yes, I do uh, multiple hats. Um, As being a young, you know, a young um, uh, and a small company, I do my own marketing, I do my own operations, I do my own. uh, I assist in many positions as I can. Um, and um, luckily, lately, we've been having the technology that's been actually assisting me, and it allows me to do more other tasks that I'm supposed to be doing and grow my company instead. Um, just for an example, I, uh, we found a company called Percy that provides me with virtual cashiers. And, um, you know, right before, after COVID with the labor situation, it was so hard to find people to work. So uh, this company helped me establish cashiers from overseas uh, through a Zoom call and they're virtual. They come and you can talk to you on the screen and they helped me cover over 6,000 shifts a year. So just you can imagine uh, being called on to a half of those on a, you know, on a weekly basis. There is no way I could do my job efficiently. Uh, not only from the front of house, we're also looking at the back of house technology where we use using new systems just like our restaurant three sixty five that can help you visualize all your you know, all your, your numbers and you can see it on an actual on a daily basis and my manager can help use those tools. Uh it cuts my account in, in half um eventually and you know, all those reconciliation that we know we don't like to do. Uh, my accountant is so happy with with the system. <laughs> um, you know, the we we developed one of the things I um, with my experience before Crazy Pita, I used to work for Four Season Hotels, and I've done a, over ten years with them. And I traveled the world and opened many restaurants, and from the fine dining to the fast casual side. And um, so now with Crazy Pita, I decided to use those expertise and kind of combine them and still provide. Amazing, excellent products, not just from the food side, but also from the service size. Um, um, so that's what we've been doing for the last 17 years. And uh, we're going to continue to grow as much as we can. And um, uh, that's the plan. Great.
2: Um, I'm definitely going to ask you about franchising and tech. Uh, I'm the tech reporter for NRN, so very interested in that. Yeah. But before we begin, actually, I was wondering if you could give me an elevator pitch for, uh, for Crazy Pita. Uh, what what is it like? What is the food like, et cetera?
3: Well, we're a fast, casual Mediterranean restaurant. Um, the recipes are – I created the recipes myself, and I kind of combined them with my family heritage. And I kind of twisted them to more um, appeal to the American palate. And uh, we used items that takes less – like five to eight minutes to prepare, and mostly we grill to order. Um, we're a counter service. You come in, you place an order, we cook it, and we serve it to you immediately. We're not the we're not the Mediterranean chipotle style, right? Where you cook it and you put it in a pan and let it sit there. And uh, so we have less minimal, minimal waste. Um, we we developed a, a system in the kitchen where we use the freshest ingredients. We have unique recipes and we, preparation methods that we kind of. Um, we we looked at and you know more like of a commissary style but being daily freshly prepared. Um, um, we from the front side we use a lot of technology. We kind of developed an ecosystem uh, from the technology side that is unique to me. That we just kind of finished and that it started with you know very well with your POS system and as and then from there how you integrate and all connect. Um, the other softwares that kind of keep your customers coming back, uh, we developed a program when, as soon as customer comes in you you know it takes a long time to acquire a guest nowadays, and we kind of seem to reduce it i mean usually it 's between three dollars to seven dollars to acquire a guest and The toughest part is how do you bring them back once you once they 're coming in. So we kind of developed with uh, you know my team a system where they get you know the emails back, the rewards, the loyalty, and they just keep on coming back. And then you ask them questions, and you get involved, and you kind of connect with your customers as much as you can from the service side and from the digital side. So they they know everything that you do about you digitally before they come to come back to you. And once they're there, they want to know about those products that you are talking about and you're advertising and we get our systems and our staff more involved in the process Um, and then you try to get them again with the you know you do some QR codes and you just keep them involved and you engage with them in their daily activities Um, recognition in what they do you know people they uh, you have somebody that work 9 to 5 and on their way home you want them to do a lot of you know pick dinner home to their homes so it's that moment is how do you make them you know, they might have a stressful day or the last, you want to make a duplicate is their own kitchen. It's, their, their, it's like we're part of their home. Uh, our design of our our restaurant, it duplicates your house. You have an open kitchen, you have your dining table, and you have your TV. So, and that's what we created, the same atmosphere, so it's a very familiar Uh, We do things, um, you know, we offer a free beverage while people are waiting for their food. We do a little, uh, you know, uh, we just recently added the cinnamon and pitas with little sugar that we offer them. So we give them a little something sweet. And, you know, we try to engage with them about their days um, and and not too much about their business because they don't want to talk about it. They want to kind of stay away from it. And that's what we offer to them. Yeah. Um, if they have families with kids, we engage with the kids. We even sometimes we just go get little small little ice cream scoop and we, you know, with some little twinkles and we give it to the kids for free, complimentary. <laughs> it's all that connection we're making with our community. That's what made us successful for seventeen years. Wow. Um, so we we kind of it's, it kind of falls with our mission statement, um, and then our we we. We try to educate a lot of our customers that we're here. We serve we're kind people. Uh kindness is one of our mottoes. We we promote uh we started a foundation called the Be Kind, Just Siemens Foundation that promotes kindness and we've been implemented it for all these years. Uh you know, always that the, be your best, uh I, you know, the small little thing, eye contact, do your uh, be knowledgeable, a uh, small little thing that can matter to anybody uh, to make them, you know, part of become part of your family.
2: Um, you know. I love that. Yeah. Um, I have to say that I don't know of too many restaurants that will just be like, yeah, we'll give you something free when you walk in. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It sounds like it's a lot about um, customer service and really just, and just maintaining that. Um, and uh, I feel like uh, your, your brand is the exactly the type of brand that would that that we are welcoming and targeting here at Create. Um, And it sounds a lot like um, the technology solutions that you, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds a lot like the technology solutions you guys are looking into kind of combine um, solutions to uh, customer service needs as well as labor needs. Uh, So I guess as a smaller company, how are you kind of looking at uh, your technology strategy?
3: Well, for a small company that I'm implementing all this, at the moment I'm doing... I'm reinvesting everything into technology. Now, I look for the future. I mean, what in order to compete in the field, now you have to have those components. Um, so, and... and Everything that we do, it starts with your POS system, right? Because it's connected to everything. We want to get to know your guests. We want to know who you are. We want to know uh, where, what, what are your likes and what are your dislikes. And that's what we want to provide, not only from the food side. We know the food is healthy and good, as consistent. And all restaurants nowadays provide good food, right, anywhere you go. it's it's, it's That is not negotiable anymore, right? Uh But the way you do business now, how do you operate? That's the part that changed. Um, And then we have to pivot and change with it, especially right after COVID, when you're mixing, when you have less labor. um, And I want to reach to you and I want to let you know about my food on your phone before you come to me. Um, And all what. I focus on three to 5 miles radius in every one of my stores. But as you know, people move out. People, they leave, they come back, they grow, they do other things. So there is always that 5% to 10% gap that keeps rotating. And you want to keep approaching that 5% as much, and you want to grab them and have them introduce to you. If they're moving in, buying a new home. So I try... I use a th- uh, theory that I say every time you open a mailbox, I want to be there. I want to have crazy PETA in front of you, either it's in your phone, your email, your mailbox, uh, a flyer, a magazine you read. So I try to be as much as uh, possible right in the f- forefront. Yeah. Uh, but technology helps so much because, you know, you have to set up all this now because two, three years from now, uh, the digital, it's going to grow. For example, currently 30% of my business is digital, uh, either through an online or a third-party channels, and that's going to continue to grow. As the labor pool, you know, labor is going to get higher. And I'm sure two three years from now, we, we, it's, it's you're going to look for ways to, to, to speed the process. And so at the end of the day, we, we're here to make profit, right? We're in the business to make profit. As much as we do it with kindness and we love what we do and we're passionate about it, but we have a mortgage to pay. We have kids that need to go to school. We have doctors to pay. So we look for ways to continue to make that profit, Um and continue in the future to to evolve and have people's habits will change. Um, I don't know what to predict about five years from now, but statistics shows that five years from now, we're going to have about 70% of the orders are digital. Um, If you notice now, AI is taking over uh, so many components, like entering phones, Um, so it will come to a point where and there is kiosk that you talk to them and they have all your orders. We're as a small company. We're not there yet, but uh, eventually we, we are setting ourselves to when it comes to that point or the way are ready to pivot one more time and get there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, so a lot of the, as you were mentioning the AI, a lot of that really is about kind of saving with labor costs. And so, um, how do you think that, that, that you might be implementing that in the future or um, is there any kind of labor-saving technology that you guys are implementing
3: right now? Well, we um, – as a small company, I don't have – I'm limited on what I can do. I mean I'm, I cannot – like for example in the preparation, there is machines out there that can do my prep but they're very costly, right? I mean I can, there is a machine that cut my meats and they cost about $80,000, you know. Uh, But again, you can give you, you know, I can make me a thousand skewers within one hour, right? So you can imagine the saving, but then come up with the front and I don't have enough units to go and buy that machine. But as we grow, it is in our plan to bring it and that will help you not. We we don't want to cut labor, right? We really don't. We would like to have the human interact. We like to go in the kitchen and see the cooks, you know, cutting the meat and chopping right. vegetables. But it's getting to a point where we cannot find people to do the job. That's why we're going towards that uh, technology. Uh, but yeah. we, eventually it's going to work itself and it's going to move towards that way. I mean, there's so many companies that I met in this Uh, conference that do the same thing and they've been approached and now they have programs for smaller companies like me where we're entertaining them to have those products come to us already pre pre pre-cut pre-sliced and then we use our marination in our house yeah Uh, um as we like to marinate fresh we like to keep those spices i'm a person who doesn't like my spices in the freezer for a long time Uh, i still have those flavors um
2: yeah, it's yeah. best. Fresh yeah. is definitely best. Yes. Um, you're right. Technology is a lot of the technology solutions out there right now, especially the newer ones like AI and automation, are really expensive.
3: Well, it, it is very expensive. Um, I use AI now in a forecasting, like my, my, my labor forecasts and uh, my budgets, and I try to compete with it. We try to compete with them in a manner see who's going to win. Uh, My accountant still wins. (laughs) That takes years of experience, right? Uh, But they're learning. They're doing things that are so amazing, the AI, um, as far as taking orders, digital. uh, And eventually, it's going to go there. And when people are getting used to it, um, it will be more acceptable. I still like the human factor. That's why I decided to do virtual cashier versus a kiosk, because I still like to have a person talking to you. Uh, it was very challenging in the beginning, uh, but a year and a half later, it's it's so acceptable that all the people that were offended. I mean, we had people in the early stages that they said they're gonna boycott Crazy Pina, and a couple kids came up with banners stealing jobs from American. I'm like. Well, I'm just trying to solve some oh chicken here and <laughs> I'm, <just> I'm trying. <laughs> so sorry, that sounds um, awful. But it's it's a new. I mean just things when just remember when the grocery store they have self checkouts, right? It's the same thing. people are like, No, we're not gonna do this, get offended. Or before where well, you have to have a person doing your gas in your car. Uh, you're too young to remember. But uh but before there were people that put gas in your car and once you took them away, everybody flipped. And now everybody does it on their own. And- Except for New Jersey.
2: <laughs> oh, <that's- laughs>
3: it's
2: a law in New Jersey. You can't pump your own gas. It's weird.
3: Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I guess I got to take a visit there. <laughs> hey, it works on a rainy day or a snow day. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to get out of your car.
2: But, uh, um, I mean, you might be able to, as you were saying, like as you guys grow, as, as you expand, you might be able to um, – implement some of these new innovations. Um, so speaking of that in franchising, I think we're going to end on this note uh, because I do think the next session is coming up soon. Okay. Um, what are your goals for franchising? Congrats on fran- on launching franchising. What are your goals over the next few years?
3: Well, the next is uh, basically we, we planning to grow. Um, is there a number in, in, in line? Not really, but we, we're going to grow as our continue to serve our last restaurant that performs well which we still manage to, 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 to do that from the financial side from the management side and from the support um, my, the, the sky is the limit uh, my, my plan is to eventually go global one day um, I like to say we're already a global company because our food comes from a different side. Of, from um, uh, we, we use Moroccan spices. That's where I come from. Uh, so uh, we're probably planning to get to the point to do over, you know, two to three hundred locations within the next five five years or so or more. That's amazing. Um, so um, yeah, we're we're in the process of putting a team together, um, and then we'll go and start executing very soon.
2: Great. Yeah. I look forward to it. Hopefully you come to Queens, New York soon. <laughs>
3: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Matthew. Thank you so much for being here. You're
3: very welcome. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you.